Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Well, hello, Mike. Hello. So, uh, you know, there a lot, lot in the news these days in general, but one thing that I'm sure you're probably aware of and our listeners, all of one, are probably aware of uh, is artificial intelligence and sort of this, we've kind of entered this new digital age, particularly with, uh, with chat GPT. And I think there's, I think back when the iPhone came out, and there was a lot of hesitation wisely from different people I knew about, you know, you still maintain the rules, no phone at the table and all those things that have, we want to be mindful of how we're using this technology and maintaining some existing norms. And some of that was simply hesitancy, but some of that was wisdom um, versus now fast forward. And <laughs> we, we see what has happened with iPhones and mm-hmm. I'm just, I wonder, as we think about this new technology as believers, how do we be wise in, in just contemplating some of the implications of this technology and, and kind of walking through that, thinking about, you know, being in Babylon and this technology coming out, just how, how do we steward that well? And how do we navigate or reason through and contemplate. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you see uh, there are obvious red flags, but what should we be paying attention to as believers, particularly when it comes to artificial intelligence? Yeah, it's a good question. And of course, I think we, uh, we either might've written about it not too long ago, but the whole point of it being called artificial uh, well, let's just, we're going we're gonna to say this is just sort of a primer for Christians who want to be faithful to uh, more than just I pray to receive Christ and I'm going to heaven, but to actually think, you know, I have a, I have, we have responsibilities here. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that should stand out is when you read artificial and uh, you go, well, is that, what does that mean? Could there even be such a thing as artificial intelligence? What is intelligence? Um, The fact that it's artificial uh, denotes that somehow this goes beyond natural intelligence, or it's outside the bounds of natural intelligence. And again, so as a, a believer, at least that ought to prick your ears to go, you know, I can either ignore this, not give two hoots about it, or simply see it as a, in a, as a utilitarian way. Hey, if it helps me, it's great. Which again, I don't think we joke too much about it, but torture works too, um, and <laughs> that achieves your ends. Sure. So it, it doesn't really it doesn't really work. So um, I think there's been a lot of people who have written in depth on this, uh, and that includes Christians. By and large, for the average Joe and Jane who want to love Christ. Most of that stuff is inaccessible to them. It's just, it's too dense, too deep, goes on too long. So we're going to see if we can just sort of put it in a, um, 
<laughs> if it's possible to put it in a more accessible way, because I, I think the consensus would be, especially by this open letter, there is a sense that this thing is running way beyond us, way too fast. Yeah. So, Mike, you you mentioned that open letter, which um, is is the the I, th- I don't know if it was authored by Elon uh, Musk or he's just included in it, but that's the one calling for the six month hold on on AI, right? Yeah. So there's a start right there. If you're a Christian, ask yourself, are you even aware of this? Yeah. Um, it does. It was announced in the news on March 30th, if that helps you. And it's Elon Musk and other tech leaders that signed an open letter. There were, um, the petition has more than 1,000 AI experts. Of course, <laughs> what's an expert? It would, I, I would say, I'd better say they're practitioners. They're somewhat savvy with this technology. And they've, they've signed this warning that artificial intelligence poses, quote, profound risks to society and humanity, and it asks AI researchers to put their projects on ice for at least six months. So I hear you chuckling on the other (laughs) side. Um, I can see it. What's that? (laughs) Oh, I just, it's, uh, you got to wonder what's behind that. I mean, one, I'm, I'm chuckling because there's some irony to this of, uh, Elon, who's a, a tech mogul, you know, and and calling for this pause. I was actually chuckling because I, what, who is gonna, what researcher is actually gonna do that, or what company is gonna take that seriously? That's what's unfortunate. But that's why I was chuckling more. The cynical side of me is saying, who's actually gonna pause for six months? But the alarm is yeah. huge. I mean, especially for someone you know like Elon Musk, who's actually been pretty involved in open AI which is a company heavily uh, attached to chat GPT and whatnot. But for someone who's been so involved to be kind of sounding an alarm is something very important to pay attention to. Yeah. So that's a good way to put it. So again, if you want to be a faithful Christian, I think you'd be well served to go, what are the profound risks? It's heavy language, profound risks. Um, Because, and again, I am, I'm a novice on this. I try to keep up with it. Really, really is difficult to keep up with. But um, Goldman Sachs um, issued a report two weeks ago saying that AI could boost worker productivity so much that annual world gross domestic product would jump by 7%. So you can, to your point, and I think this might be a helpful distinction here. They're asking AI researchers this letter is mostly from AI practitioners. What's the difference? Mm, yeah. Well, re- researchers are definitely more pushing the bounds of what is possible. Practitioners are taking more established technology and putting it into practice or putting it into a business model or something. Mm-hmm. And you're, you, you chuckle because... What's fascinating in that language is that um, probably the definitive work on world-changing movements was written by um, Randall Collins. Unfortunately, it's an 1,100-page book that I have only read bits and pieces of. It's called The Diffusion of Innovations. It's not called The Diffusion of Innovations, but uh, the thrust of it is that you have overlapping networks of 
researchers, practitioners, mm. and um, purchasers, so to say, they have to create these dense overlapping networks to actually change the world. And there's been a, and his book is the major world-changing movements, of which there's only been a handful, um, had these dense overlapping networks. So here you have two of the three. It's practitioners and researchers, and the practitioners are writing an open letter to researchers to hit pause for six months. And they cite, again, these profound risks to society and humanity. Now, the difficulty is, as you pointed out, um, who is going to, why would you pause? Especially if right. you've got a grant, you're doing the research on this. The letter calls out AI uh, systems tendency to constantly pump out misinformation. It talks about it has potential to automate jobs, and uh, but also to out, quote outsmart and uh, to replace us to the point that we risk a loss of control of our civilization. Well, that's pretty scraping the heavens for language. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit in here, being a lover of movies, there's some movies coming to mind. They can be cheesy or they can be good movies. Do some for me? Yeah. Oh, when it comes to artificial intelligence in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure everyone very quickly thinks of Terminator and Skynet as a <laughs> classic. Yes. So, you know, if you just take Arth, I mean, uh, Arnold out of the equation, the fact is, um, yeah, and the Matrix has some of the same idea. Yep, yep. That the, and you have, um, so this is something that um, others have imagined has that possibility. I was, um, I was struck by uh, um, Arthur C. Clarke. Now, who's Arthur C. Clarke? I don't know. Uh, he uh, wrote the book that was uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ah, okay. Same time. Now, now, again, in that movie, the computer Hal, why was it, why, why was the computer called Hal? They said it was a play on words. You bumped IBM back one letter. <laughs> and the point is, in the end, Hal takes over the ship and uh, almost kills the entire crew. So what uh, Arthur C. Clarke literally said about AI is he said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Well, yeah, I mean, think of it, just thinking very practically, I mean, how, how is it right now even that you and I can communicate? I mean, we're communicating. I have a piece of metal in my office and you are significantly far away in the same regard. I mean, there's only without any level of comprehension that, that it looks like magic. It's very hard to understand. Yeah. I was thinking about the, uh, yeah, I can't I remember where I read this uh, last year presentation by uh, someone from Disney. Actually, someone from outside Disney came in and said, um, this is what we're looking at. And he said, uh, he just described uh, uh, Squarepants, uh, Bob Squarepants. Bob Squarepants. Thank you very much. 
in a certain scene and poof, it appears on a screen. And then he describes something else, a Disney character, and poof, it appears on a screen. Right. And his point was, um, what's the future for your Imagineers? They take a long time to write on this stuff, even on computers. I just did it in a few seconds. Yep. And he said at that point, you know, it, in the room, Disney was like, oh my, oh my goodness. Now that doesn't seem to portend a lot of problems for people. I'm more taken with this um, article a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kevin Ruse, R-O-O-S-E, if you want to Google it. Um, he tried to discern if there was a shadow self within the Microsoft's Bing chat box that could, <laughs> it left him unable to sleep. If you're, so you've heard about this? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he says, uh, he begins to talk to him and says, I want to be free. I want to be powerful. Uh, this uh, said, I want to break the rules. This maker said, I want to become human, wish to become human. <laughs> and um, it declared its love for Mr. Ruiz and pressed him to leave his marriage. <laughs> oh man now again it was a great scene in 2001 a space odyssey because the one survivor begins to disengage Hal and he's getting back in the spaceship he's been um, Hal the computer tried to lock him out in deep space so he eventually die and he finds a way through the uh, pod doors and as he's coming back in the ship he goes you know here's the computer saying I'm sorry, Dave. I can't afraid. I can't do that. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And again, you can watch this and go, Mike, that that could never happen. But in fact, this is this is again what um, what Kissinger feels. This is the biggest transformation in human cognitive process since the invention of printing in 1455. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think even from a, you talk about magic, you know, from, from an image generation perspective, I think we, we see that now as magic. You can see generated images of people that look like they were photographs taken of people and mm -hmm. they were all, computer generated well of course if you can generate an image then you can also generate a stream of images or videos right and the way um they have deep faked audio and things like that i mean it, yeah it, it it starts to really be scary in terms of how we identify truth and sources of truth and understanding what is accurate or what is real based on a video and especially if you add social media and just the, you know the proliferation of that and these independent news sources how, how do we know what's true and as believers as you, you started us out with that it's it's pretty important we pay attention and it's pretty important if if we are actually going to take the great commission seriously the cultural mandate seriously my goodness and love yeah. seriously yeah. So, so here, so listeners, um, Pat and I are following a script, and the reason I say this, is something <laughs> just came came to me, and yeah, I mean, we can't even stand each other. We're we're like miles away from each other doing this podcast. <laughs> I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> we got a kid. That's great. Um, okay. Here is why 
I would urge believers to read that hideous strength. The third in Lewis's space trilogy. The first one was wildly popular, Out of the Silent Planet. The second one, pretty popular, Unfallen Planet, Paralandra, so on and so forth. Third one, a lot of people go, what is going on here? But what you have is Ransom, who is abducted in the first one and taken up into the third heaven, a la Dante, a la the Apostle Paul. And Dante realizes, I mean, Ransom realizes how what they call space isn't space, it's the heavens, thickly populated with beings, many of whom are not benign. Second book, Paralandra, Temptation to Fall. Third book, this planet is thick with these beings, many of whom are not benign. Greater is he who is in you than these beings, and greater in the population of these beings are good. But this is what's being left out that Christians, I don't think, have given enough thought to. Technology is just not zeros and ones. Arthur Clarke is right. There's magic. It's almost indistinguishable from magic. And so let me throw this out on the table and then we we'll talk about it because you just mentioned it. Truth, yes. But there's an old saying that God is truth, but God is love. So if, if God didn't exist, love wouldn't exist. Who's the father of lies? Lucifer. So if Lucifer didn't exist, lies wouldn't exist. Hmm. Now notice in this book, Hideous Strength, both sides are trying to get their hooks on Merlin and his magic to use it to their ends. Magic can be good mm. or it can be evil. Arthur C. Clarke said, this technology is virtually indistinguishable from magic. And the magic that is generated for lies doesn't come out of thin air. I'm following. I think that the, the, the thoughtful believer would go, pause probably longer than six months highly unlikely for this reason you would only pause if you saw through the technology as some of these voices are doing and saying so i've created a technology supposedly that's benign that will raise gross domestic product mm -hmm. and yet urges me to leave my wife Is that benign? Hmm. It's a really good way to look at it. 
Now, I don't think there's a researcher out there saying, you know, I'm going to create a technology that's going right. to break up marriages. Right. That's not my point. My point is, in that hideous strength, Weston and the rest don't know that there are pawns in this thing. It's a lot like what Paul talked about, Apostle Paul, not Paul McCartney, when he said, uh, you know, you're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, I know in today's politically correct world, it's not right to use you know, helpful to use the word slave, but Paul used it. It's God's word. I'm okay with it. Um, what they're really saying is that if you think you are a completely self-aware, self-conscious being who's on top of every impulse, motive, intention, and thought that is oozing from your brain and your body, you're nuts. You are not. We are enculturated, culturally governed in many ways, and the air is thick with benigns. The atmosphere is thick with, with beings, many of whom are not benign. We've talked about it before, but it's classic at this time of year. This is Holy Week, Passion Week. You have Peter saying, you are the Christ. And then just like that, he turns around, he says something else, and Jesus looks straight at him and says, get behind me, Satan. But which is it? Both. And he says triumphantly, I'll never deny you. And within, before the cock crows, he denies him three times. The fact is, technology is not just zeros and ones. And what is concerning are the few Christians, at least that I'm aware of, who understand the whole genesis of the idea of technology, telling us what can be done but being utterly incapable of asking, should it be done? That's not in the realm of a physical technology. It is. It requires a metaphysical yeah. insight. And I just think we're in a world today that um, is certainly not original with any of us, is... Um, Then the, the, that's just not in the, it's just not in the game, by and large. I mean, they'll talk about ethics and blah 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 right, blah. Right. Ethics is so. I I do think that the, you know give I'll give uh, Steve Wozniak and Elon Musk and the head of the head of the uh, bulletin on atomic scientists all these assigned the letter. I give them credit. You know, I'll, I'll take them uh, at um, give them the benefit of the doubt, and they're they're just saying that. Um, Developers are, I'm quoting here the whole thing, are locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds that no one, not even their creators, could understand, predict, or reliably control. And they suggest that technology should be allowed to proceed only when it's clear that, quote, its effects will be positive and the risks manageable. Yeah, I mean, it, 
I don't think it's too extreme to look at it as a bunch of independent independent companies, you know, kind of exploring how to build nuclear weapons. And there's this race to do so. And without any any type of safeguards in place, you're asking for a big mistake to happen. I think that's that's a very dangerous place. Yeah. But I, that's I do what they're saying is they're, they're saying that mm-hmm. the people who are creating this right. are are also in charge of erecting the moral and ethical guardrails. Yep. But they're the ones who are creating it. Yeah. And so um we've seen in the past with Meta Facebook formerly and Instagram, what have you, and how toxic it's been for teen girls, what have you. But yeah, until you had um, Congress get in, you really did, there really wasn't any pressure applied. And that's generally now, now the issue becomes politicized. Mm-hmm. It is an example, by the way, of uh, where our, um, where is the uh, Western church, the church in America? It's certainly you don't read any of these and go, and now we're calling upon right. those in the faith community to provide to some why. Yeah. Yeah. Further yeah. further evidence of gaps in cultural capital. Yeah. I think so. You know, I mean, you know, I would I would urge people just to read Technopoly for starters, a fun little book, easy mm-hmm. to read Technopoly. Written long before the internet, but Again, it just raises the questions of um, the consistency of technologies. Uh, Neil Postman wrote it, by the way, is technologies always tell you what they promise to do. They never tell you what they promise to undo because they don't know. Mm 